Many women have uterine fibroids, sometimes during their lives, but don't even realize it because they often have no symptoms. What should physicians know about the treatment and care of fibroids? You are listening to Everyday Family Medicine on ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Jennifer Cottle. Joining me today is Dr. Jessica Shepard, Assistant Professor of OBGYN and Director of Minimally Invasive Gynecology at the University of Illinois at Chicago. She's also the founder of Her Viewpoint, an online community that covers women's health topics. Dr. Shepard, welcome to ReachMD. Great. I'm excited to be here and talk about fibroids, which is a very popular topic in OBGYN. Well, great. So why don't we just start out by kind of um, defining a few things. Why don't you just discuss, first of all, you know, what are fibroids? So uterine fibroids, whether they're called leomyomas, myomas, are actually the most common benign tumor in the pelvis. And the pathophysiology of fibroids is actually poorly understood, and that's the reason why we haven't been able to find uh, the best way to treat fibroids. But it's basically a smooth muscle cell tumor, and that tumor just rapidly grows. And again, we can present in women either asymptomatically or with symptoms. And that's usually why we see patients is because they start to present with some of these symptoms. And can you talk a little bit about how they can be treated? The beauty of science and medicine today is that we're able to allow so many women so many options for treatment for fibroids. And that really can run the gamut anywhere from uh, medicines, medical therapy uh, procedures. We have some procedures that can affect fibroids as well as major surgeries, and we can go a little bit more into some of those major surgeries uh, further on in the show. Okay. And and really, is a hysterectomy, is that the only way to treat fibroids? And I, I know you mentioned we're going to talk about some other options, but just maybe to give us a sneak peek, you know, what are the range that we're, yeah. we're dealing with? So when hysterectomy, I think historically hysterectomy was one of the only ways to treat fibroids because we didn't have uh, the advent of medicine that we have today and some of the other small procedures that we have. So the good thing is that the answer to that is no. Hysterectomy is not the only way to treat fibroids, especially for women who really do look into the future for childbearing or have uh, fertility options that they still want to seek. Hysterectomy would not be the best option for them. And so now we can look into uh, different medications, whether that's with oral contraceptives. Uh, We can look into the IUD, as well as procedures such as an endometrial ablation. Um, We can do a myomectomy that can just affect the fibroids in the cavity of the uterus. And then we can go further into our very big procedures, which when we think of those would be, one would be the hysterectomy, which is the complete removal of the uterus with the fibroids obviously in that removal. And then the myomectomy. So the myomectomy is a very uh, big procedure, major surgery, uh, sometimes a lot of blood loss. But this would be a great option for women who, again, have conception uh, plans in the future, fertility in the future, and just want to remove the fibroids if they are very large or symptomatic. And then that way they can keep the uterus. So it's uterine sparing that procedure is the myomectomy. So hysterectomy is not the only way. Lots of options make sure that we give these all these options to women so that they know exactly which one is for them, especially through the journey of fibroids. Everyone goes through that journey differently. And so, again, as they go through that journey, they should really be having that conversation continuously with their doctor, the healthcare provider, which one would be best for them at that time. You bring up a lot of really great points, um, kind of like, you know, um, uh, informed decision making and really deciding what's right for each woman. Um, I'd like to back up just a little bit. And, you know, we talked briefly about the treatments and things like that. And you define what fibroids are. 
let's talk about how they affect women. Um, can you talk, uh, speak to just really how fibroids can affect a woman's life, how they might affect periods and things like that? You know, what is a woman's life um, with fibroids? So women, they will come in with all sorts of symptoms, and sometimes they don't even realize that they have uh, fibroids. When we look at the numbers specifically for fibroids, up to 50% of women will have fibroids by the time they're 50. That number will jump up significantly for African-American women, uh, going to 70 to 75% uh, having fibroids by the time that they're 50. The most common symptom would be heavy bleeding. And so when women start to see changes in their period, maybe they have had you know heavy periods since they started having periods, they'll come into the office with, again, complaints of very heavy menstrual cycles. And when we send them for ultrasound or try to evaluate why they might have these heavy cycles, usually they might be a fibroid uh, in the uterus that we would see on ultrasound. Um, some of the other symptoms that women come in with, again, depending on the size and the location of fibroids and the number that they have, again, in the pelvis and the abdomen, they can push on various organs such as the bladder, and that can have some urinary incontinence uh, uh, issues with women, as well as the bowel. So if it's pushing on the bowel, we have women that have constipation issues. And then if they're socked kind of deep into the pelvis, we have women that really come in with pain with sex. They have painful sex, sexual experiences. And when you do a pelvic exam, again, you can feel some of those heavy uh, fibroids deep in the pelvis, and that can help us understand why they might be experiencing that. That's very helpful, um, especially to understand the symptoms that our patients can have. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Everyday Family Medicine on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Jennifer Cottle, and I'm speaking with Dr. Jessica Shepard. Uh, she is an assistant professor of OBGYN, and she's also the director of minimally invasive gynecology at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Uh, Dr. Shepard is also the founder of Her Viewpoint, an online community that covers women's health topics. So, you know, I, I wanted to go back to something that you mentioned a little bit um, um, in our prior section about demographics um, and the number of women who, percentage of women who get fibroids, et cetera. And you mentioned um, African-American women tend to have higher rates of, of fibroids to some degree. Um, do we know why that is? And, and do we have any information about that? I think that's the million-dollar question that I wish all of us had the answer to. Um, for African-American uh, specifically, we know that there's a, a genetic component of African-American women having uh, more fibroids than any other uh, race. The other thing with African-Americans and the fibroids that we see, they tend to have the larger fibroids and also fibroids that affect their bleeding patterns. So these are the women that will come in, again, with the heavier bleeding symptoms that we see in the office. So they're really, again, the pathophysiology of fibroids and, and why they really occur. There's a lot of uh, different theories out there, but we have not really pinpointed one specific reason on why uh, women have fibroids and specifically for African-American women, why they're more prone to having the larger fibroids as well, whether that's a component of nutritional intake, uh, genetic uh, factors, um, also the different types of hormones that we're exposed to. If there's a different uh, subset of uh, estrogen that African-American women are exposed to, why they may have a larger size and growth of fibroids, those are the things that we would love to have the answer to. But again, research dollars um, and research efforts, a lot of those are not directed towards fibroids, and therefore we're not able to conduct the studies that would help us link the predisposing risk factors and initiators and all the genetic mechanisms that are uh, with fibroids and why these women are uh, having these outcomes and uh, giving us the latest knowledge on where they come from and how we should interact with them in order to treat them. 
Uh, no, I, I, that makes a lot of sense, and I, I appreciate your um, your commentary about that. And, and yes, it does seem like the million dollar question. Um, you know, I, I know that a lot of our patients are, are asking us these questions, so it's helpful to to hear your insight about that. Um, you did make some comments earlier on about how fibroids affect fertility. You know, would you mind just sort of restating and kind of going over a little bit about that um, specifically, fertility and fibroids, and maybe what physicians need to know in that respect. Yeah, you know, I work a lot with uh, reproductive endocrinology and fertility doctors, and uh, they refer a lot of patients to me who do have fibroids and may be impacting their fertility. So the the main, I think, takeaway thing to to hear from fibroids and infertility is that if you have fibroids, it does not mean that you cannot conceive or or carry a full-term delivery with no complications. What it does entail is that if you do have fibroids, as a gynecologist, we should be very concerned with the location of the fibroid as well as the size of the fibroid. So anatomically, if we're thinking of fibroid location, if it is uh, somewhat close to the uh, fallopian tubes and it's impinging that area that would not allow for a uh, fertilized egg to get from fallopian tube into the endometrial cavity, again, that would pose a problem again with actual conception. Now, when we think about location of fibroid in the endometrial cavity, and what we call those are submucosal fibroids, so they're in the actual cavity where uh, fetuses grow. That would cause a problem if they were rather large because now conception is not the issue. It's actually maintaining the pregnancy. And so when these women do become pregnant, again, they may be increased risk of having any bleeding during pregnancy, preterm labor, again, and also miscarriage. So the location of the fibroid is something that we are very interested in because if it's in the endometrial cavity, we definitely can do things such as uh, resecting that fibroid, which we call a hysteroscopic myomectomy very small procedure, but what it does is it allows the cavity to kind of retain its uh, initial um, size and shape, which again will not interfere with a pregnancy. And so uh, we have instruments such as like the Myasure where we can shave that, that fibroid down, get the cavity to what it should be, make it pristine, and then we can go forth with uh, fertility efforts after that. You know, a question that I, I wanted to ask, I'm just curious about the psychological impact of fibroids on some of your patients, um, or just, you know, as physicians and healthcare providers are listening, you know, how do we best attend to any psychological needs that our patients may have who are dealing with fibroids or having a tough time? Um, you know, can you speak to that or have any personal experiences that may be helpful for us? Yeah, I think a, a big portion of my practice is um, dealing with women who have fibroids. And the good thing is that I'm able to follow these women from you know, the, from when they were referred, uh, whether we go through medical management uh, procedures or surgical intervention, that I follow these patients uh, at the beginning all the way through. So I think one of the, the main things is that if a, if a patient really doesn't have uh, maybe the best relationship with their physician, I always encourage them, whether they're my patient or someone else's patient, to find someone who they feel uh, that they can talk to about their issues outside of the fibroid, how it affects their quality of life, because I find that fibroids really do impact quality of life, whether that's they can't do social events because they're always uh, having heavy bleeds. If they have very painful periods because of the fibroids, then they may be missing out on going to work, and that can affect their career and how they're able to take care of themselves, their spouses, their significant others, and families. And so I really feel that it also encompasses a component of the whole experience with the fibroids and the bleeding and the symptoms that they may have. It's a psychological component, which they really should tune in with their gynecologist as well as they take them through this journey with their fibroids and how they should treat them. So the other thing too is, is when they're being treated, if there is a procedure or a surgery that someone may not feel comfortable 
uh, doing is to making sure they find that specific doctor who may be able to do the surgical procedure that they're interested in. Uh, there are not a lot of new procedures that have come about that are minimally invasive. And as a minimally invasive gynecologist, uh, I really encourage other healthcare providers, whether they're primary care, family medicine, internal medicine, but also for OBGYNs, is to um, kind of continuing that communication and getting the patients to the right doctor that they need to see. Um, there's a new procedure that's called the SESA, and that actually is a minimally invasive procedure, but not many physicians are doing that. So again, finding the correct physician who can take care of these issues, whether it's surgical part, medical management, or the psychological component, is putting that all together and finding the right person for them so that there's not, um, we're not missing patients, that they're not getting the care that they need, but making sure that they're getting the best care that they need for the issue that they have. Right. Those are those are fantastic points. Uh, Dr. Shepard, this was a, a wonderful interview and, and a lot of great um, tidbits and information for doctors out there who are listening. Um, just before we close, is there anything else that you would like to add that maybe we didn't have a chance to, to touch on? I think there's so many myths out there uh, about fibroids. I hear, I hear them every day. Um, but I think as, as healthcare providers, it really is our, our job and our responsibility to make sure that we get the information out there and educate our patients on fibroids, how they affect uh, patients and women, and really opening up that, that conversation topic and making sure that women have the correct information and that they feel comfortable discussing their issues. And again, sending them to the right people um, to make sure that they get uh, the care that they need. And I have seen so many women who have seen the other side of fibroids, meaning that they have them, they get them taken care of, or whether it's just heavy bleeding symptoms or a surgical procedure, seeing them on the other end of that makes me so happy because um, I know that it can be treated, it can be taken care of. And sometimes women have, we have a habit of taking care of everyone else before we take care of, of our needs. And I really encourage women um, to, again, take that step back and make sure that they focus on themselves and get that taken care of so that they can take better care of all the people in their lives as well. So that would be my, my uh, one spiel about fibroids and uh, women's health care in general, but taking care of ourselves. Well, many thanks to you, Dr. Jessica Shepard, for joining us today. Absolutely. Hope to do it again soon. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Cardle, and to access this episode and others in the series and to download the ReachMD app, please visit us at ReachMD.com. We encourage you to leave comments and to share this program with your colleagues. Thank you for listening.